Are you ready to take your intermittent fasting lifestyle to the next level? There's nothing better than community to help with that. In the Delay Don't Deny community, we all embrace the clean fast, and there's just the right support for you as you live your intermittent fasting lifestyle. You can connect directly with me in the Ask Jen group, and I'll answer all of your questions personally. If you're new to intermittent fasting or recommitting to the intermittent fasting lifestyle, join the 28-Day Fast Start group. After your fast start, join us for support in the first-year group. Need tips for long-term maintenance? We have a place for that. There are many more useful spaces beyond these, and you can interact in as many as you like. Visit jenstevens.com community to join us. An annual membership costs just over a dollar a week when you do the math. If you aren't ready to fully commit for a year, join for a month, and you can cancel at any time. If you know you'll want to stay forever, we also have a lifetime membership option available. IF is free. You don't need to join our community to fast. But if you're looking for support from a community of like-minded intermittent fasters, we're here for you at jenstevens.com community. That's jenstevens.com community. Achieving my long-term goals is more about creating healthy habits and less about quick fixes. And that's why I love both intermittent fasting and daily harvest. Tim Spector, a gut health expert and founder of Zoe, and Dr. B, gastroenterologist and author of Fiber Fueled, recommend that you aim for at least 30 unique plant foods per week. Daily Harvest helps make it easy. One of my favorite options is the sweet potato and wild rice hash harvest bowl. With Daily Harvest, I'm getting tons of plant-based options built on organic fruits and vegetables that are easy to prep and free of weird ingredients such as fillers, seed oils, and added sugars. Create healthy habits that last with Daily Harvest. For a limited time only, go to dailyharvest.com ifstories to get $30 off your first box plus free shipping. That's dailyharvest.com ifstories for $30 off your first box and free shipping. Daily harvest.com slash is stories. Welcome to Intermittent Fasting Stories. I'm your host, Jen Stevens, author of the New York Times bestseller, Fast Feast Repeat, as well as the book that started it all, Delay Don't Deny. I lost over 80 pounds thanks to intermittent fasting after learning how to delay my eating rather than denying myself the delicious foods I want to eat. Now, Who's ready to hear an inspirational intermittent fasting story? That's why we're here. So let's get excited to talk to today's guest. Hi, everybody. Welcome to episode 227 of Intermittent Fasting Stories. Today, I'm here with Karen Levine. Karen lives in Mansfield, Massachusetts, and she is a retired healthcare worker. She worked in pediatrics for 15 years. Before that, she was a personal chef for seven years. And before that, she did some other stuff in healthcare, too. Am I right, Karen? Did I get all that right? You are right. It's been a, a varied roller coaster ride, but mostly in healthcare. Well, welcome, Karen. I'm glad to have you here today on the podcast. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Well, you know, I like to start by asking what brought you to intermittent fasting and when was that? 
Well, so everybody, of course, has their big backstory and then their their other answer. So I'll give you the short answer first. It was probably about 2018 when I first ever heard those two magic words, intermittent fasting. I was getting together with a friend who was from out of town and she was coming to visit and we were having lunch and she had a lot of health care problems and or just health medical issues in general. So I saw her and she looked great. And I told her how great she looked. And she said, oh, well, thank you. I've been intermittent fasting. And I just assumed that that had to do with her medical issues. And I just dismissed those words. I never asked anything. We were catching up and that was that. So fast forward to January of 2020. I have a friend, another friend, a close friend who has a history, as I do, of, you know, weight loss and weight gain. And in, coincidentally, she has been for many years a Weight Watcher instructor and has still kind of gone up and down. And she loses weight faster than anybody I, I've ever seen. But like many of us, it doesn't last for a long time. So January, I, I mean, I noticed she had gone down. And I noticed she was keeping it off. And so finally I asked her, what are you doing? And she said, oh, I've been intermittent fasting. I said, well, well, tell me about that. So she told me about, you know, eating windows and fasting windows and yada, da, 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 and here's what I do. And you have to read Jen Stevens' book, Delay, Don't Deny. And so I did. I literally, that day, I downloaded the book. I read the book within the day. I told my husband, I'm starting this thing tomorrow. You know what was so great? There's no shopping. There's no prep. You don't have to clean the whole pantry out like we've always done before. Like bad food, bad food, throw it away. I just, there was nothing to do. So I said, okay, here's what I'm going to do tomorrow. And I started it and I knew about the clean fast and I literally started it right away. I read Delay, Don't Deny. I read, then eventually I read Fast, Feast, Repeat. And I've been listening to the podcasts. And I started the first week of January in 2020, Clean Fasting. And I have not stopped since. It just is ultimate freedom. And I have never done anything that has been so successful before. You know, you talked about the the going up and down and up and down. And at the time that we we're recording this, I'm packing because we're we're moving. You know what's also really funny, Karen? Everybody says, "Didn't you just move?" And what's funny is that was in 2019. We moved in the summer of 2019, so it's been almost three years, really. So it seems like it just happened, but it did not just happen. <laughs> Well, this hopefully will be our last. I told told Chad this morning, I was like, this is going to be our last hard move because we're moving to the beach and I'm really downsizing a lot of things. But back to why I brought that up, I was going through some things like I've, instead of hauling all these pictures and frames that I've been storing in boxes, I'm taking them out of the frames and selling the frames at a big estate sale. But I went through this picture frame and it had all of my years of teaching my class photo. I would get a new class photo and I would just pop it in the front, but it had all my others stacked up behind it. So it's like a little time capsule of my teaching when I when I was a regular classroom teacher. And oh my goodness, looking at how my size changed from year to year. I was like, oh, that was when I was doing that, whatever. Oop, those were the diet pills years. I mean, it was so like funny to look back. And now, you know, I'm the same weight year after year. And, you know, I, I can no longer like tell what year something is by looking at my clothes like I used to could. (laughs) Uh, It's funny. I look at my, I can never remember 
what weights when I look at old pictures related to what diet I just remember, oh, I was down then, I was doing something successful temporarily, and then, oh, that wasn't a good year. And, you know, it's a little crazy. Well, it's funny because I have a, speaking of, of pictures, the longer story, if you want me to tell, we were recently going through old pictures and I was looking at my grade school pictures, trying to figure out when it was that I started with a weight. It was as early as fourth grade. I was looking at my fourth grade pictures and I, I, I really started to look heavy, not obese, but definitely heavy in the face. And I could see the clothes that I was wearing. And um, I started thinking about what my life was like back then. And, you know, my I had a, a, a dad who was always very obese, always going up and down, and a mom who was a little heavy. But I would say that I grew up with a lot of dysfunction around food and around weight. My mother was a little heavy, but she was always trying to fix us, always judging our food choices, our food intake, how we looked. And, you know, I think about that. My mom's not alive today, but I think about the fact that she did what she did, not out of malice at all, but because she really thought she was being helpful. We would be in a store or a restaurant and she would look around and say, you know, at a heavy person and say, you know, look at that person. Do you want to look like that person? We'll keep eating and you will. And, you know, now we would never say such things. And it it just, those kinds of hurtful things. Um, do you really need seconds? Do you really need that extra piece of pizza? It really, and then on the flip side of that, I had a dad who would reward us with food. You know, if you want to come with me to see so-and-so relative, take this hour drive with me, and then on the way home, we'll go to XYZ restaurant and and have that favorite thing or those fried clams or that ice cream. And so, you know, really it was a lot of conflicting messages, but that's how my sister and I grew up with, you know, a lot of uh, shame eating and yet my dad rewarding us with food. Well, especially if you know your mom is judging other people that are that are eating more. And that all goes back to what the story she was telling herself in her own head as well. You know, you said that she struggled with being heavy. So in her own head, she had those words for herself, I'm sure. And so then they came out and she's like, you don't want to be like that. And she was trying really hard. I think that has a lot to do with it. I I definitely do. She looked at my father struggling who could never, you know, my mom had a little bit more control than we did. But I was in middle school where she dragged me to my first uh, diet meeting. And back then, it wasn't Weight Watchers. It was a company called Diet Workshop. I've never heard of that. And I've talked to so many people. This is like, I always get excited when it's something new. So I think that was a local Massachusetts thing, very much like Weight Watchers. And you went to your meetings and you got weighed in. And the you know premise was very similar. So I did that in middle school. I remember like going and sitting at these meetings and being weighed in. And I did really well. You know, that was back in the day where you had fat-free mayonnaise and you had, you know, Arnold's thin bread and you were hungry and you eat little, you ate little bits and you were hungry all day long. And then I remember going with my father to Overeaters Anonymous meetings at our local libraries on Tuesday nights. And did he feel like he had the problem with overeating to be Overeaters Anonymous or did he think you needed help with Overeaters Anonymous? He went and I was always struggling. So I went with him. He was always very heavy. 
And Overeaters Anonymous was just a really interesting place. So we would go and people would tell their stories and I could always relate a little bit. But again, I was young and these were all older people. So I went with my dad and my mom to quick weight loss clinics and many weight loss and we had done Atkins. And so then as I was into my 20s and no longer living with my parents, I went to Weight Watcher meetings on my own and did all kinds of stuff. Um, Went to Overeaters Anonymous meetings on my own. And interestingly enough, all of my years, I I did the HCG diet and did the injections. You did the injection ones. Those are the hardcore. Because, you know, there's also the drops version. I never really understood that. They're like supposed to be homeopathic drops. I don't really know. I did not know that. I did the Fen-Fen and all of that, you know, finding the doctor that would give you the pills and the Jenny Craig. And remember way back when there was a woman, Susan Powder? Stop the insanity. That was back in my, and she was bald. She like shaved her head. I don't, she wasn't totally bald, but she had like a buzz cut, like really, really short hair. And it was low fat. Right. She told you you could eat six bagels if you wanted. And that was fine. As long as don't, don't put cream cheese on it. And that was great. I was like, all right, bring it on. I can eat six bagels. And so each time, and then my most successful things were Weight Watchers. I would crawl back to Weight Watchers, you know, with your head between your legs. And I'm sure they were used to that. And then I would do okay again. But the interesting thing is that I never, ever reached a goal. I got close, but never reached a goal. Never mind people who were like lifetime members. I got close. And then people would say, oh, you're looking good. And that was almost my, my license to say, oh, all right, I guess I'm, I'm done with that. And slowly but surely, that diet would, would start to trickle down. And then, you know, the weight would slowly creep up. It was my whole life, all of the diets that I've done, so, so many. And interestingly enough, my dieting life helped me meet my husband, a good friend who I met at Overeaters Anonymous, said, I know this guy that I think you might like. And one thing led to another. And I met my husband on a blind date through my dieting history. So that was actually a good thing that came from it. But, you know, and then I had two C-sections and my adult life crept up and the weight kept creeping up. Like how, how much weight did you need to lose? So... When I got, so I'm five, two and a half. That half inch matters. It it does matter when you're short. And I would say, so when I got married, I was on the downswing. I was probably 165 or 170. And then it crept up and crept up. And so there was a weight. We always have this weight where when we see the scale, that means, uh-oh, got to do something, got to go on a diet. That weight for me was 212 pounds. Every time I saw 212, I'd be like, oh, what am I going to do now? Yeah, mine was a size. It was size 14, whatever reason. Now, that doesn't mean I didn't blow past that, but it that was like my upper limit. Like, I didn't want to get past a 14. I was in like an 18, 20-ish um, because I really needed it around the waist and the top. So... 212-ish, but and I, I was up and down, up and down, up and down. And then when I, it was actually eight years ago, I had bariatric surgery. 
And before that, my sister had had bariatric surgery. My father had had it. My friends, it just became all of a sudden within five years, I knew cousins, relatives, friends, every, it was a thing. Everybody was having it. So I jumped on the bandwagon and I had gastric bypass surgery. It's eight years now, I believe. And this is the one, ex- explain, I know there's different things, that different surgeries. The gastric bypass, what, what do they do in your body? We all face stress in our daily lives. What if the answer to a better stress response is in one key nutrient? I'm talking about magnesium, and specifically, Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. This one-of-a-kind product is designed to reverse low levels of magnesium, which could have a positive effect on our stress response. But don't take my word for it. Here's a quote from a 2020 issue of the scientific journal Nutrients. Results suggest that stress could increase magnesium loss, causing a deficiency. And, in turn, magnesium deficiency could enhance the body's susceptibility to stress, resulting in a magnesium and stress vicious circle. I only recommend Magnesium Breakthrough by Bioptimizers. It's the only organic full-spectrum magnesium supplement that includes seven unique forms of magnesium for stress resilience and better sleep. Simply go to bioptimizers.com slash ifstories promo code IFSTORIES10 to get your magnesium breakthrough and find out this month's gift with purchase. That's bioptimizers.com slash IFSTORIES, promo code IFSTORIES10. If you've been listening to my podcast for a while, you know what a fan I am of Dr. Tim Spector and the work he's doing with Zoe. I was first introduced to his work in 2015, and I've been following his research ever since. What I love most about the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast is that they have weekly interviews with world-leading experts who explain how their latest research can benefit your health. Recently, I was thrilled to finally meet him face-to-face as we recorded an episode for the Zoe Science and Nutrition podcast, and this episode aired on April 11th. We had a chance to talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study, and I had the opportunity to explain the clean fast to Jonathan, which may explain why he didn't enjoy his prior experiences with fasting. Search for Zoe Science and Nutrition on your podcast player or on YouTube to hear the latest episode, and don't forget to look for the April 11th episode to hear me, Tim, and Jonathan talk about the world's biggest intermittent fasting study. So they basically create a pouch. This was the gold standard. This was, you know, at the time they were doing the um, the sleeve, but I really wanted the gastric bypass. That was the gold standard. That was the one that you can still deal with a lot of malabsorption issues, but you lost weight the fastest. And they created, yes, it was a Ruan-Y gastric bypass and a pouch is created and the rest of your stomach is is so-called bypassed. And that was a really good tool for me because I was a volume eater. And so it worked well. I started to lose weight. And I remember in my head, I had a weight of, you know, if I could just live in the 150s, I'd be pretty happy. If I could be like a size 10 or 12, that was normal to me. If I could not have to go to the large size stores um, that would be a bonus. And so I did. You know, I will say when I signed up or I started my venture into looking at gastric bypass surgery, I was concerned that I wouldn't qualify. I had a few little medical issues, some high blood pressure, some high cholesterol. But so I kind of bulked up a little and I was in the 220s. And then right before surgery, 
I had gone up and then down again, but I was right around 2.30 soon before surgery. So I had the surgery and I did really well. And they say you have a honeymoon period of about a year and a half, two years that lose your weight because after that it gets more difficult and you start to sustain. And one of the things about the gastric bypass is eat all day long, small amounts, but all day long. And we know how that is. I was always hungry. But you can never quite satisfy it, right? Correct. I got to the point where I could eat almost anything, but I was eating like I was bringing food to work. I was crunching and munching every hour. And, you know, I was never 100% satisfied. I would get full. And then, you know, a half hour later, my pouch was emptying again. It just wasn't 100% satisfying me. So after the few years that started, so I, I went as low as the 150s and I was so happy, so happy. I was living in a size 10, 8, 10, usually 10, depending on the brands, but I felt normal. I just could go into a normal store and I started, you know, as I went down, I started with the consignment shops. That was just wonderful. So much fun. I just, you know, would bring bags. I'd go home with stuff. I'd bring another bag. And that was great. And a few years later, it started to get more difficult. I had the the ability to eat a lot more food at a sitting. Does that happen? Do you, you stretch out the pouch? Is that what happens? Is that what they say? There are ways to not do, you know, you can't drink carbonated drinks. There are certain things they want you not to do. And I was really good. I mean, to this day, I haven't had a carbonated drink. I stopped soda completely. And so that was really great. But I just still had the ability to eat more and more each time. And then the weight started going up and the weight started going up. And how how that must feel? Well, to go through big surgery, like that is big surgery. And then to feel like you got there and you're like in the promised land and you're wearing the size you wanted to wear and then it's coming back. And I bet it felt like, like you were almost powerless at that point. It did. And there were ways for bariatric patients to, you know, jump back on the bandwagon. They have you go back to protein because it's all about protein. Um, they want to make sure that you start with protein. And so it's going back to your post-surgery and drinking protein drinks and, you know, having five of those a day. And, you know, they were delicious and they were chocolate and they were, you know, so here I was drinking the protein shakes and, and that helped a little bit. But when I went back to eating food again, the weight started to creep up. And so slowly, then the weight that I started to see on the scale, I started to see 170 again. And that was just a little devastating for me. So that's, you know, and I started with other diets and back and forth and back and forth and did okay. But that's when I started. I was 170 when I started with the intermittent fasting. So you were crept up. You were, at that point, how many, it was 2020. So you were like six years out from the weight loss surgery. Okay. I was, had done well and then had a floundered a little bit, up and down and up and down. So what happened when you started the intermittent fasting? Like, how did you eat? What was your window like? So I started with, and I was worried about the protein being a bariatric patient. So I was worried about not being able to get all of the the calories and the protein in. So I started with a six-hour window, six to seven-hour window. 
and slowly reduce that a little. To this day, I stay with typically between four and six and five, 19, five. And I do find that um, I prefer to eat a heavier meal when I open my window. A lot of people just like, you know, something light. I'm pretty hungry when I open my window. You like to go ahead and eat your biggest meal at that point. I do. And I, I feel like I have the ability, whether it's a big salad or something on that idea with protein and you know, since I started, I remember telling people that I was intermittent fasting, Who people who had asked, and I said, you can just eat anything you want. I eat cookies, and I eat cake, and I eat... Well, that has dramatically changed. Is it because you don't want it as much? It's just amazing. It's just amazing how your tastes change so much. But I did start with, um, you know, a seven-hour eating window, and now I'm between four and five-ish or so, four, five, six. So I I do want to jump into that a little bit and ask, because you said you like to eat a big meal, a big salad, so you have no trouble with that, with your stomach size. I'm able, when it comes to things like greens, I do just fine. If for carbs, I can't really do things like pasta and much bread, which I'm completely fine with. So I mean, I'll, I'll have a little bit of that, but it's not something that I typically, I wouldn't typically ever eat a sandwich, just not at my wheelhouse if I eat a burger, it'll be, you know, without much bread. But I do tend to want to eat things, want to eat a heavier meal. And then I like to have a, have dinner with my husband. So I'll make a big dinner and I will end up probably not eating all that much of it, which I'm fine. Leftovers are good and he'll eat it the next day. So that's fine. So you eat a little bit. So you you open with your biggest eating experience. Then later you have some dinner with your husband and you're mostly focusing on protein and vegetables. And I, I will have something sweet at the end of my window. Love doing that. Really good quality stuff usually. It's funny that we're here in our place in Florida now and I went to a local store and they have this really good salted chocolate. Not something that I would normally ever eat much of, but I bought it and like one piece at night is just very satisfying. That's all I need. Or, you know, even at the grocery store, they sell those. They're not great quality, but those little teeny mini ice cream cones, mini, mini, mini. And that's just nice. Just something to close with something sweet. So it's, that's been really perfect. And I have to say the flexibility of doing this, of knowing that it's in my toolbox. I can switch it up. I will tell you, I've never done a long, long fast. I've never done ADF. I even said, oh, before this podcast, maybe I should try ADF to say, well, here's my experience, but it just doesn't appeal to me. You don't need to if you don't want to. You know, ADF is something that a lot of people think they don't want to do. They think it's not appealing, but then they get stuck or on a plateau or something, and then they decide to try it as a plateau breaker. Then they realize they like it. But if you don't need to try it and it doesn't appeal to you, there's no need to. You're not really missing anything if you're doing great. I listen to the meal list Mondays and I think, yeah, I don't know about that. You know, and someday I may. So, you know, we'll see how that goes. The thing about it, people, there's a big, I guess, thought out there that people think that, you know, and I, it might be because we call it mealless Monday. I don't know. But people think that it has to be completely mealless to be a down day or, you know, there's the 500 calorie down day option. And for some reason, people have it in their minds that the 500-calorie option is not as good. Like, they're, they're cheating. 
they're, or they're doing something wrong if they're doing the 500-calorie option. And I just want to take a minute to say that absolutely not. You shouldn't feel that way, anybody who's listening. Because the research on ADF, alternate daily fasting, all of it was initially done with the 500-calorie down day the initial research. And so it was, they they figured that out because it was like a certain percentage of like your quote normal calories. So they, it wasn't a complete fast. It was the 500 calories. And then the next day was the unrestricted day that we call the up day. They have since done studies where they compare the 500 calorie down day with the, with the full up day the next day to doing a full fast completely and then having the up day. So that would be like a probably a 36-hour kind of fast in that research, full fast. And they found the group that had the 500-calorie down day actually lost slightly more weight over time than the people who had the full fast. Interesting. I wonder what the reason for that would be. Well, I can come up with all sorts of theories as to why that might be. But, you know, just that little metabolic boost of that 500-calorie meal, whatever, I don't know. But it leads us to understand that in our minds, we think, oh, full fast must be better. But in the research, the people who did the 500-calorie down day lost a little bit more weight. I mean, it wasn't – I'm not saying that the 500-calorie down day is better either. The one that's better is the one that feels right to you. And that's what I want to get across. So anybody – sometimes people are like, well, I tried to make it without the meal, but I had to eat it. And they'll say it in a way like they were – like embarrassed or sorry or cheating. I'm like, stop. That's, that's how you do it. You do what feels better. You need to eat to eat the meal. And that's what I really want to get out there. So if you ever did want to try it, no, you don't have to skip a day of eating ever. And another thing is it's not, you know, you don't, if you eat the meal, it's not a 36-hour fast. Like if you are doing a down day and then you eat a small meal at 5 p.m., your 500-calorie meal, And then the next day, you don't eat till the morning. That wasn't a 36-hour fast. It was two fasts. You fasted. You ate the little meal. You had another fast. But that's still alternate daily fasting. Anyway, I just wanted to throw that out there. I'm sorry the teacher came out. No, absolutely. I think it's important. And sometimes I forget about that 500 calories. You're right. So, And some people are think, you know, 500 calories. I, I don't even want to do that. But if you think about it. You know, and if you're bulking up with salad and protein, you could have something substantial for 500 calories. People really do. They share in the Delight on Tonight community, people who are are sharing what they're having for their down day meal. It's like a really good looking substantial meal. You put some eggs in there even. That's a great thing that people really enjoy having. Lots of veggies. And you can be really full and satisfied. It doesn't have to equal 500 or it could be a tiny bit more. I mean, I wouldn't eat 1,000 calories, but you can have, you know, you don't have to be like 501 and you failed. No. Right. No, I will never say never. There are definitely, this is flexible and, you know, I've, gotten to, you know, where I'm comfortable, but it's always fun to go down a little bit more. The first, I will say the first six, seven months, I mean, I lost 38 pounds um, doing uh, intermittent fasting and I'm at a weight that I never thought I would be at. And it's so flexible and freeing. So are you in like the 140s? I'm in the 130s. I'm living in the 130s and I'm wearing a size four which for me was just like beyond, I mean, not only have I reached a goal, but I've, you know, surpassed that goal. Because your goal was to be, I looked back, you wanted to be in the 150s in a size 10 to 12, and you would feel successful. Right. And the gastric bypass did that for me. Intermittent fasting brought me lower 
and just in the body composition, is my body perfect at this weight? No. Oh, my body's not perfect. No. Is there extra skin? And, you know, yes. Would I love to do something about it? Yes. Will I? Probably not. Well, as, as we age, we realize perfection is not even, it's overrated. And no one really has a perfect body anyway. I wish I had known about this sooner. And next week, I have a big birthday. I'll be turning 60. Oh, I can't believe it. You do, I can see you here and you do not look 60. Oh, thank you. But, you know, I just, I feel better than I did in my 30s and 40s. It's just amazing. 60 is the new 40. So right? There you go. That's, um, since I'm going to be getting there by the time this podcast comes out, I'll be 53. So, you know, it, it, each year it's, it's getting closer. And, and again, you're right. We, we're aging well gracefully. Yeah, aging with grace is a good thing. But this has been, um, two months ago, we went to, it's the first time we had really traveled since COVID to do a big trip. And we went to an all-inclusive resort in Jamaica. And I was, you know, how's this going to go fasting-wise? I don't know. And luckily, I we traveled with a, a, another couple and my friend also fasts. So we would you know, think about where we're going to go for dinner and what time we're going to open our window. And so we definitely had more extended windows, but I never felt like, you know, we drank more alcohol and we, and we ate desserts and we did all that. And I came home and maybe I was up two or three pounds, but it was fine. Two days we had breakfast. It was the first time in two and a half years I had eaten breakfast. But, you know, we thought about delaying and not denying, but there was a breakfast restaurant that we wanted to try and it wasn't open after 11 a.m. So we're like, okay, we're going to try breakfast on a day or two. And how was it? You know what? It was okay. It wasn't amazing. But all the other restaurants were, and we had some great meals, and I ate later than I normally would. and But we mostly waited till one, two sometimes later to open our windows. And it was perfect. And, you know, in the morning, uh, you have so much energy. There's that mental clarity and that energy that I feel like I have that I just didn't have before. I was never a big exerciser. And now I love exercising in the fasted state. It just, you know, I during the pandemic. So I, I, I belonged to a gym beforehand and I would go and it was fine. Didn't love it. I never had anything that I loved, but we bought a Peloton. And I have to say that I love getting up in the morning and doing a workout, not just a cycling workout, but they have all kinds of things that you can do. And I feel like I can run a marathon. Not that I ever would, not that I run at all. I don't, but just the energy. That's the thing. You just can go and go and go. It's like the endurance. So I totally get it. I'm not going to run a marathon either, but you feel like you can. your body can do whatever you ask it to do. I really feel so much more fit and uh, that I can do so much more. And then there's that, what I've been listening to lately, they call the power hour, that, that, that time before you open your window. Always look for a project. You know, what is it that I'm going to do during that time that I want to keep myself busy? And I get so much done, whether it's organizing closets or, you know, getting work done or it's a really good time. It's that that peak of energy. So I know you mentioned that 19.5 is your sweet spot. About what time do you normally open? Typically around, I try to make it till about two o'clock. Sometimes it's 1.30, sometimes it's three. It depends if we have dinner plans and they're going late, then I'll, I'll go a little later. So you know what? 
I will also say that um, about six months ago, I stopped using the app for tracking and I was using Xero. It was fine. And I loved that account. That's the very first thing before I literally started intermittent fasting. I downloaded the app and I was so excited to press that button. And, and I honestly think that was really key for me to have that accountability. And then I realized eh, I was forgetting to, you know, for the last six months or so, I, I pretty much have it down pat. And I was forgetting to push it and then having to reset it and re. But for those first two years, I felt like that was an important tool to look at that fasting window and to see the progress also, to see all those days of fasting, which was really encouraging. I think it is a great tool. And sometimes people are like kind of poo-poo it. They're like, well, I don't need an app. I just have a clock. I just look at the clock. And I'm like, you know, that's fine. <laughs> no one is telling you that you can't do it that way. But for people who struggle with consistency or accountability or just there's that little psychological press that button, click or, you know, tapping the screen to, to open your window or to, you know, to end your fast or, what, or start your fast, depending on the app that you have. It just, for me, when I was trying to make it a habit, it just was so psychologically, there it is. That was that boundary. The app provided the boundary. And once I had clicked close window, I was not going to eat something else because I didn't want the app to be a lie. I didn't want to be lying on my app. I wanted it to reflect what I was doing. I mean, I could always reopen it if I wanted to, but I didn't want to. So it was just a very psychologically helpful tool for me. And then I didn't need it. And that's what I, all of a sudden, it just dawned on me. My husband used to, you know, I'd have my phone at the table and he'd be like, oh, you're pressing your button now. He just would always laugh at me. And he would fast. He, he was has been a faster for the most part, but he never used a button and, um, you know, kind of had longer windows. And so I told him right away that I was going to start this fasting thing. And I told him a little bit about it. And it was the the black coffee that he was mostly worried about. So he's like, oh, no, I'm not going to be able to do that. And I have to say, I didn't love the black coffee either. And so he watched me drink it. And little by little, he thought, okay, well, maybe I can do this. He was going to be like, well, I'm going to fast, but I'm going to put cream in my coffee. And so I explained to him why. And I said, you should really read this book. And it's like, nah, yeah, I'll just do what you do. And so he did. And I have to say the experimenting with the coffee was good for both of us because it, the black coffee was bothering my stomach a little bit. And he didn't like the taste of the black coffee. So we started experimenting. And little by little, we started to find coffees that we both enjoyed. And instead of using the coffee pods, we started brewing a pot of coffee. And now we grind our beans every day. And such a difference. And even experimenting with the beans has made a difference. Um, we found a low-acid French roast coffee bean at Trader Joe's that I just love. It doesn't bother my stomach and he likes the taste of it black. So we came to this compromise and that's what we do every day. Awesome. You kept trying. You didn't just say, oh, can't do it. Doesn't work. You kept going. You tried different things. You experimented. So that worked out really well. And whatever's left in the pot, we make iced coffee with and drink that throughout the day. So, so did he need to lose weight? Was he someone who struggled with his weight? Yes. And he still does. And he still would like to lose more weight. But he's okay with the where he is now. He lost some weight fasting. I don't even know how much, maybe 20 or 30 pounds. Does he need to lose more? Yes. 
but he's this has helped him to stop the nighttime eating and he waits until lunchtime so he probably does like an eight hour window or so and and he's good with that and 30 pounds is substantial right he I'm sure he feels so much better yeah I mean he's been higher and he's been lower and he's He's totally okay with this, but um, you know, it's nice. It's nice to have him do this with me, and it's nice to have some friends who do it with me. So that has been super helpful. I have to say, I don't. I'm not one of those people that shouts it from the rooftop, and I don't have a, you know, my own Facebook group or anything like that. And and part of it, it's funny. I I'm always so happy to share when people say, "What are you doing?" I I love to talk about it. But I haven't made it super public what I'm doing. And I feel like that's part of who I was in my diet world. I just, I lived the diet life for so long that I didn't want this to define me. I just, this is part of who I am and what I do. But I'm one of those people that just doesn't shout it from the rooftops and and less people ask. This episode is brought in part to you by Audible your go-to destination for thrilling audio entertainment. Whether you're looking for a hair-raising experience to enjoy while you're on the move or eager to dive into sinister and shocking tales, Audible has an exclusive collection of thrillers from best-selling authors that will keep you on the edge of your seat. Like James Patterson's first audio-only thriller, The Coldest Case. Experience stories like never before, where every chilling detail is brought to life by captivating sound design. Plus, as an Audible member, choose one title a month to make yours forever. And now, new members can try Audible free for 30 days. Just visit audible.com WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. That's audible.com WonderyPod or text WonderyPod to 500-500. Looking to instantly upgrade your Mother's Day gift from typical to meaningful? Shop Etsy. Get up to 30% off well-crafted and personalized gifts from participating shops until May 12th. This year, embrace your creative side. You know, the side your mom gave you. And shop Etsy for custom jewelry, style pieces, home decor, and extra special items she'll adore. Need something original and affordable for Mother's Day? Etsy has it. Shop until May 12th for up to 30% off gifts for mom. Terms apply. That's really interesting. I was thinking while you were saying that, and so many of us who have done all those diets over the years, it really did kind of almost define us. Like, I'm low-carb, I'm low-fat, I'm gluten-free, and it was always like who you were. I'm on county calories, and (laughs) you don't want to be associated with a weight loss method. But then again, the people who never have had to struggle, they they just eat food. That's (laughs) You know, we just want to just eat food and not even, that's not who we are is we're this person who's dieting and struggling. We're just eating our food. And I feel like I've finally gotten to that point. I mean, intermittent fasting is just what I do. What I eat is whatever I want to eat, whatever the, I've really learned to listen to my body. And often when I, if it's after my window time and I say, oh, I'll have that tomorrow, tomorrow I don't want it. And I find that just so interesting because I never plan well ahead of time because I just don't know what I'm going to be in the mood for. And right before I open my window, it might be a salad, it might be a burger. I I don't know. So I don't do a lot of meal prepping ahead of time because... You're just going day to day, feeling what feels right? Going day to day, exactly. And so... It really has been super nice. I have a daughter who intermittent fasts occasionally. She lives in New York and is, you know, 
living the New York lifestyle. And so she, when she comes home, she'll do it with me. And like I said, it's, it's so great to have people to do it with. It's funny, I have a, a son who deals with a lot of IBS issues. And we were just discussing the other day, he's not looking to lose weight at all, but I was just researching about IBS and intermittent fasting. And there's a lot out there about it. And I think it's something that he might want to consider. Period of gut rest can be very helpful. He did the Everly food tests and as did I and came to some interesting conclusions, but he's got a lot of foods that he stays away from. And I said, you might want to give this a try and just see what happens when you exactly when you give that gut a rest. All right. So let's circle back to the weight loss surgery because I bet somebody's listening right now who is probably listening because maybe they're intrigued with intermittent fasting, but they're also in the place where they're thinking maybe they want to do weight loss surgery instead. What would you tell someone from your experience? And I mean, there's no judgment involved in the weight loss surgery because we all just do the best that we can do. And there was a period of time that I was wishing I was big enough to have weight loss surgery, right? Because you just feel like it's going to solve your problems. And what advice would you give to someone who's having that thought? Well, if I knew about intermittent fasting at the time and had the opportunity to try it, and again, I don't know for certain, but I really think that if I were intermittent fasting back then, it's quite likely that I never would have had the surgery. Do I regret it? No. I'm glad you said that because it's what you it, it's part of your experience. Right. It, it brought me to where I am today. Would I have been able to lose a much larger amount of weight intermittent fasting? Quite likely, yes. I mean, I feel like there's no stopping here. There's tools to... You know, maybe then I would have switched to ADF and gone back and forth and had a longer weight loss journey with IF. But as of right now, like you said, this is this was part of my journey. But I would encourage anybody thinking about weight loss surgery to at least try intermittent fasting, see how it works. One of the things that they want you to do before you have any weight loss surgery is to do some weight loss beforehand so that you reduce the fat around your liver, which ultimately makes the surgery much safer. And fasting could be a way to do that. Maybe you want to have the surgery and you want to fast to to do that piece of it. So like I said, I, I don't regret it. But you would like to have tried it. Well, I think that's really good advice. And I just, I wanted to ask, but you know, I know there's people who have come into the, the back when we had Facebook groups, they would come into the Facebook group and, and talk about, you know, I'm trying to decide, do I do the weight loss surgery or should I try intermittent fasting? And I really would encourage anybody to give it the try. Give yourself three months with intermittent fasting and really just see, see where it takes you and see how you feel. Because the surgery is, it's permanent. Permanent. It's big. It's a big recovery you know, a big time commitment that you need to take out of your life to for work and for recovery. And it's big. It doesn't come without risks and complications. It's not the easy path by any no, means. No. And I think people do think that that's, that's a fallacy, that people do think, oh, you took the easy way out. And, you know, yes, it's a tool like any other tool. And is it helpful? Yes. It's definitely not the easy way out. Yeah. There are a lot of things that you can't eat or do, or, you know, I can't take NSAIDs, you know, I if something's going on, I can't take Motrin or any kind of ibuprofen ever again, not just because of the, um, the ulceration that it can create along the pouch. 
you know, no carbonation, certain things that if you do stick to it are really important. And then there's a lot of supplementation too that that's important because we don't absorb vitamins and nutrients as well. So you have to be really good about that. You, you, you really have to be very compliant. My sister has to have infusions because her iron just gets incredibly low. So there are definitely risks. Definitely things to keep in mind. So yeah, anybody thinking about that, give intermittent fasting a really good try. Now, is there anything that you struggle with? It's very freeing as far as food goes, but food still makes me really happy. And I still think about it. I still, you know, as much as I don't plan every meal, it's there in the back of my mind. It will always be a part of who I am, probably thinking about food more than I should. So I do struggle with that a little bit. Other than that, I really, like I said, this has been very freeing. I don't have a lot of things that I I find difficult. You know, maybe socializing later at night, and but this is flexible. So I never feel like I'm cheating. So I never feel like I'm, you know, I'm being bad or, you know, it, it's it's been really nice for in that respect. I, and I love that mindset because we even, you know, the diet culture has that, that wording going all throughout it. Cheat day and bad. And we, we put so much morality. And you grew up hearing the morality of don't eat that or you're going to get big or do you really want to eat all that? And so we, it's hard to disconnect that in our minds. There is no cheating. There's no falling off the wagon. If I struggle with anything, I have to say it was always about trying not to convey the way that I was during my childhood to my own children. And you were mindful about that then? I was, and I I hope they think that I, I did okay with that, and it was always there. But, you know, trying to just... My daughter's a foodie like I am and loves to cook and has a really healthy attitude towards cooking and eating. And, you know, she struggles here and there, but with her weight, but in general, she, I feel like she's got a really healthy attitude, as does my son. It, you know, doesn't define them, their uh, body image wise. They're both great kids and they both have healthy attitudes towards food. So, I'm glad about that because I always struggled about making sure that I, I was mindful about not conveying that message. Well, I love that. And I can tell that you tried really hard in it. And it's good to see it, you know, to know that you did a good job with that. And I look at my boys and they have um, they don't have any weird food things that I've caused them to have. So that's good. Because <laughs> I, you know, of course, I never talked to them about their weight because they were always, they never struggled at all. They were always really lean and active and all of that. But, you know, I, they did see me do some crazy things over the years, but I think they weren't paying attention. That's <laughs> that's the good part. They, they weren't paying attention to all that. So It's funny, during my dieting years, and again, my kids knew me to always be on some kind of diet, but I always tried to keep it kind of quiet. And I remember once my kids were young and I remember we were doing some errands, but I had to go to a Weight Watcher meeting. And uh, I think they still laugh to this day. They had never walked into a Weight Watcher meeting room or, and so I sat for the meeting and, you know, the first thing that the the Weight Watcher instructor does is, you know, clap for everybody who's lost a lot of weight. And, you know, Robin over there lost 10 pounds and she had like a noisemaker and they were hooting and hollering. And my kids thought that was the hysterical. So, you know, then after that, they'd be like, you know, how much did you lose? Woohoo! And 
See, I never went to a Weight Watchers meetings. That's amazing. You've done so many things that never Weight Watchers. I don't know. I just never did it. I don't know why I never did it. Maybe because I just didn't want to go to the meeting, probably. <laughs> that didn't seem like something I needed or wanted. I don't know. And that's funny. As much as I love community, you would think I would have been like seeking it out. Maybe I would have loved it, but maybe I'm also a little lazy and so I don't want to have to fool with going somewhere. Yeah, and these days you can do it online and do it even easier. But yeah, it was a nice sense of community. That's why I'm surprised I never did it because I, I love community. So what are some positive health changes that you've seen? Well, I used to have terrible migraines and I was taking medication for my migraines quite often. And I can't even tell you the last time I have had a really bad migraine, you know, occasional headaches here and there. I have thyroid issues that I've taken thyroid replacement for. My thyroid has been ablated when it couldn't be controlled. It was hyperactive. And so they radioactively ablated my thyroid. And so I've been on medication. And even through the gastric bypass and losing an initial, you know, big chunk of weight, I pretty much stayed on the same dosage of thyroid medication. But through fasting, my doctor has been shocked. I just, every time she checks it, we went through probably a one-year period where she would change my medication, make it a little lower. Two months later, I would check my thyroid. Nope, that's, we got to go lower. We got to go lower. We got to go lower. Four times. So I'm taking a significantly um, smaller amounts of thyroid replacement. And she said, this is just so strange. And she's somebody that um, has been really happy with my results. But I just wonder, as I've told her, I've been intermittent fasting. The first time I told her, she was like, mm, oh, I don't know. And then each time, I think she's just got more and more patience and she's hearing more and more about it. And I think she is just well-educated because the last time I was there, she's like, just keep on fasting. And, you know, you can't argue with the positive benefits when people are coming in and having positive health changes that, that speaks for itself. And I also um, have rosacea. So my skin gets very red and ruddy and also used to get very papular and I had to take medication for that. And my skin has really changed through fasting. And, I, and that's something that I've heard as well. It's just funny that you hear these things and then you live them and you're like, wow, that's really true. That happened to me. Yeah. And you know, you're like, maybe it will, maybe it won't. But then when it does, it's so exciting. So I was taking medication for the rosacea. And, and again, the, the times have been few and far between that I've needed to take anything and it's been completely under control. So that's been great. And then just the mental clarity and the energy and the just you you can't argue with that. It's it's so I feel like I'm much more in tune to conversations, to when I'm reading. I'm during the fasted state, I sometimes think I'm just gonna let this go for a while longer. Sometimes I delay my fast just so that I can get more things done. Yeah, me too. I totally get that. So we are almost out of time. What would you tell someone just starting out with intermittent fasting or what do you wish you knew when you first started? So to take it day by day, I was a person who just jumped right in, but that's not for everybody. I met somebody who said, you know, I could never do that. I'm like, you know what? So start with a 10-hour window and then slowly reduce it. Just because I do this or you do this, it, it doesn't mean it's what everybody should do. Just start and see how that goes. Obviously, the clean fast is important and have fun experimenting with coffee if you're a coffee person. You know, grind your beans, try new beans, go to a different coffee shop, see what they've got. It's kind of a fun thing. We, we love to try 
tribe coffee shops and um, just listen to your body. You know, it's okay to not eat what you think you were going to eat. It's okay. It's, it's amazing what your body will tell you. You know, even if you don't have weight loss in the very beginning, stick with it stick with it. I have a friend who said, oh, it didn't work for me. And again, how long did she do it? For two weeks and she was done. And what was going on inside her body? Probably great things, but she didn't know it. She didn't give it time. You got to give it time. That's why I came up with the 28-day fast start for people to have zero weight loss expectations at the beginning. And I think that's so very important because your body is learning how to do a new thing. You got to give it time. No complaints. It's Just enjoy the freedom. Well, thank you so much, Karen. I think your story is going to reach a lot of people. Thank you. It's been a pleasure to talk to you, Jen. I'm fangirling today. This has been great. Do you have an intermittent fasting story to tell? Email me at jen at intermittentfastingstories.com and I'll add you to the lineup. That's G-I-N at intermittentfastingstories.com. The world wants to hear your story. That's it for today. Remember... I may have a doctorate, but I'm not a medical doctor. So don't use anything you hear on this podcast as a substitute for medical advice. Please always check with your doctor or healthcare provider if you have medical questions. I'll talk to you next week, Fasting Family, where we will hear another inspiring story. Have a great week and fast on. Intermittent Fasting Stories is edited, mixed, and mastered by Resonate Recordings. To learn more, visit them at ResonateRecordings.com or email them at hello at ResonateRecordings.com. Intermittent Fasting Stories listeners will receive a free offer if you mention that you heard it on the podcast. For more than two centuries, the White House has been the stage for some of the most dramatic scenes in American history. Inspired by the hit podcast, American History Tellers, Wondery and William Morrow present the new book, The Hidden History of the White House. Each chapter will bring you inside the fierce power struggles, the world-altering decisions, and shocking scandals that have shaped our nation. You'll be there when the very foundations of the White House are laid in 1792, and you'll watch as the British burn it down in 1814. Then you'll hear the intimate conversations between FDR and Winston Churchill as they make plans to defeat Nazi forces in 1941. And you'll be in the Situation Room when President Barack Obama approves the raid to bring down the most infamous terrorist in American history. Pre-order The Hidden History of the White House now in hardcover or digital editions wherever you get your books.